The phrase the company used was appears to be prolonged, and they're not referring to prosperity or a booming economy. Quite the contrary. They're referring to second half rebound, the lack of a second half rebound and how it doesn't seem to be materializing just in time to get the global economy into its soft landing. On the contrary, this firm is saying we see more downside risk than any upside potential. It is this weakness is being prolonged into the second half of this year. Maybe who knows how much longer than that. We're seeing that potential, this emerging, not really emerging, but this consistent downside potential in a shift on the yield curve at the very front of the yield curve. While everybody's eyes are glued to the back end, there's been developments on the front. Now the company I'm referring to is AP Molar Maersk, the shipping giant who has had a front row seat to the supply shock from the very beginning. They would they would know better than most about what's going on in the global economy because they're there inside of it. They were the supply shock, no bigger beneficiary, no one further inside of it. And just this weekend, they reported earnings and especially forecasts that were rather gloomy, especially in the context of the second half rebound. Here's what they said. Ocean revenue decreased to US dollars 8.7 billion from 17.4 billion dollars driven by a decrease in freight rates and loaded volume. So rates are going down as well as volumes coming back down too. Ocean continued to be impacted by lower demand driven by a significant inventory correction in particular North America and Europe. And we could see that weakness most plainly in Asia, the Asian producers who normally send goods through AP Molar Maersk ocean going ships to North America and Europe. But as Molar Maersk is saying, we don't really see a whole lot of demand because the inventory cycle is impacting shipping as well as production. And that's where we get our deflationary producer prices, in particular, China, Japan, and Europe, and to an extent in the United States. But Maersk wasn't done. They were looking what, what, looking ahead for the rest of this year. This is what they said about their guidance for 2023. The inventory correction observed since the fourth quarter of 2022 appears to be prolonged and is now expected to last through the end of the year. Based on the continued destocking, AP Molar Maersk now sees global, global container growth, volume growth, in the range of minus four to minus one percent compared to minus two and a half to plus half a percent previously. So they've downgraded the, less, the rest of the year in terms of volume growth. And as prices continue to adjust, that also means nominal growth is going to decline too. Disinflation and eventually deflation. Once companies and businesses and economies realize the demand just isn't there to keep everything going. Recession with a touch, hopefully only a touch of deflation. So what does the yield curve think about this? Think about this, what's going on in the banking system? And let's even talk a little bit about the stock market, the growing realization that the second half rebound may not be as good of a bet as everyone was thinking. And maybe the recession hasn't been completely dealt with. Maybe it's still there lurking in the surface. But first, 
I'm Jeff. This is Euro Dollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. We still have our anniversary sale going on at the Euro Dollar University website. That's memberships as well as subscriptions. The memberships are exclusive background content on the Euro Dollar system. What is a reserve currency? How does it work? How is it not working? We also have research subscriptions, as I mentioned, a daily briefing that I put together on the day's most most pressing macroeconomic developments, as well as what's going on in markets and curves. And I also do a daily deep dive analysis where we get behind the YouTube videos here and really take apart all of these money and macro topics to understand what's going on in our world today. Again, anniversary sale at our website, eurodollar.university. What was interesting last week in particular during the sell-off, the bond route in the long-term treasury market, was that shorter-term rates didn't really participate. In fact, the two-year treasury note, which has been one of the most volatile instruments on the yield curve, has been rather stable for quite some time now, which reflects a number of things. But remember how the two-year note out of all of the notes is very sensitive to both changes in the front end rate hikes and whatever's going on up there, as well as considering changes in the back end too. Two-year is almost a pivot point between what the Fed would like to do and what the market sees the Fed will be able to do. And up until, you know, through, uh, through the middle part of May, up until recently, the two-year has been rising like everything else. The urgency from the previous banking crisis that everybody has forgotten about because they think it's a previous past tense banking crisis, when it's still producing after effects at the very least, as we'll talk about in just a minute. The urgency of the banking crisis as it was as it was unfolding up until First Republic's failure in the early part of May. Then less urgency, the two-year note started to rise along with the rest of the back end of the curve. But a couple weeks ago, the two-year sort of plateaued out, as did a lot of short-term rates. And during that time, what we've seen is the front end of the yield curve, which had been upward sloping and relatively steep at that, has flattened out itself and now is moderately inverted all the way to the front, which is an important development. That's a development saying the market is starting to believe this is it. We've gotten to the moment where the rate hikes are actually going to be terminated and now we're seeing only the downside to rates thereafter. We haven't seen this type of inversion yet in this cycle. Remember, it comes and goes. It starts all the way on the back end, starts way out in the future, long-term end of the yield curve or money curves, if it's euro dollar futures or now term SOFR futures, whatever the case may be. It starts way down the curve and it's only a little bit at, the, at first. And then it moves in and out, in and out. And, and over time progresses from the back toward the front, continuing to move a little bit, a little bit to deepen, to broaden, until eventually you get to that point where we have, as I mentioned before, back a couple months ago, you get bad steepening, which is a bad sign, and you get the fully inverted curve. Well, we haven't had as much bad steepening. That has been part of the uninversion process over the last, last several weeks. But there's a hint that might be coming back too. At the same time, we've got this fully inverted curve. We had treasury bill auctions today, which simply... Um, emphasize this inversion, especially between the three and months, three and six month bills, which were just auctioned off. The three month bill rate came in at a high of 5.29. Uh, 
Uh, the low the, the low yield was 5.10. Remember the current RRP is 5.30. So demand for collateral here. The six month bill was a couple basis points less at all of these. The high with there was 5.265%. The median was 5.23. And the low was a little bit better, a little bit higher than the three months. Not surprisingly, that's 5.18. So the even today as rates back up on on the uh, long end of the yield curve. On Friday, as rates were down big on the weak payroll numbers. On Thursday, as rates were up big on the Fitch downgrade and everything that, that's negative about long-term yields in, especially the month of August, the seasonality that's going on there. Short-term end of the yield curve has been remarkably stable. In fact, even down a little bit through all of that. So as far as the yield curve developing, as far as the yield curve is concerned in its development, we're moving further and further toward that ultimate end. The one that we talked about with the, the inevitable end of the supply shock, we're following the supply shock case into like 19, the 1940s rather than the early 1950s, a deflationary recession rather than soft land, landing. As Stephen Van Meter and I talked about in my last video, it's the leading indications that we're now worried about. Yes, we can see the supply shock case, the CPI, uh, consumer price numbers, they all look just like they're supposed to be in a supply shock. We've got AP Molar Bears telling us from the inside of the supply shock, yeah, we saw rates, our shipping rates go way up. We saw volumes not go up all that much. Now we've got shipping rates coming way down and volumes are contracting at the same time. So pretty much a very consistent picture of the downside of the supply shock. And what that means, the next stage of it, the terminal stage of it, unfortunately, that's where we get into the markets, forward rates, deflationary producer prices, weak demand, looking ahead, what is it that is in store for us? It's not a soft landing. And more and more, that's coming to be realized. And as it's being realized, that causes the real recessionary processes to begin. And I think that's what the yield curve is starting to adjust to, seeing that more the chances of those recessionary, the heavy recessionary processes continues to rise as the chances for the soft landing, those were never great to begin with, despite all the media coverage, that's starting to go down. One key reason why that's the case, of course, is the credit crunch. While everybody has forgotten about the banking crisis, banks haven't. They're still in emergency mode. They're still in defensive mode. They're still in the lessons of Bear Stearns. The Federal Reserve's H8 report on commercial banking, now updated through the end of July, shows not much has changed. And that's not a good thing because banks overall since mid-March, they've shrunk. They've stopped growing. They've stopped expanding, which we need them to do in order to maintain economic uh, any economic advance and at any level. Instead, banks like the, their counterparts in Europe, they've completely shut themselves down. They're more concerned about the liquidity environment, trying to pay off some of their emergency borrowings while they can. But as they're doing so, they're not lending. They're not buying more securities. Bank credit is actually lower. Total assets since the middle of March, when the crisis really got going, Total assets are down a whopping 343.8 billion. So what is that? More than four months and banks have shrunk by almost $350 billion in total assets. One reason why bank credit, that's the major reason why, 
which includes both securities as well as loans. Bank credit was down another little bit uh, in the final week of July. And since mid-March, about $300 billion. Loans. Loans were up for the second straight week at the end of July by just $12.6 million. Or it's 12.6 billion, excuse me. But since the middle of March, loans are actually down by 22.5 billion. So more flat, flat line in loans, which again, that's a contraction. It's not flat, it's actually down from a trajectory of growth that we need lending to go at. Um, still, commercial industrial loans are the target of loan reductions. Total real estate loans since middle of March are basically the same number, up just 7 billion. The reason banks are not expanding bank credit, they're not expanding their loan book, is because they're repaying their cash. They're trying to repay the emergency cash that they that they uh, collectively raised during the worst parts of March and April. Cash balances rose about $550 billion, borrowing from the Fed, borrowing from federal home loan banks, borrowing from money market funds if you had the collateral to do so in wholesale markets. Since then, uh, borrowings have only come back by about half, $236 billion, a little bit less than half. And so cash balances are coming down too. At the same time, deposit liabilities have been, let's shall we say, unstable. So paying down borrowings at the same time, deposits really haven't, uh, haven't really solidified don't want to lend borrowed funds from foreign, uh, foreign subsidiaries because that can be costly too. So in this uncertain funding environment, it makes sense, especially still with so many banks on the hook to emergency programs like the Fed's BTFP, which is at another record high, that they're not going to be out there taking risks. They're not going to be lending to new commercial projects or commercial real estate or anything else. They're not going to be buying more securities because they just don't have the capacity to do so. Right now, the banking system is quite clearly in the, we just want to get through the next couple months mode. They're in the same position that a lot of businesses is, especially manufacturing, hoping and praying for a second half rebound because a second half rebound would cushion the continued blow from all of these headwinds all across the economy. Instead, as Maersk is saying, as the yield curve is shifting, as we're hearing time and again in these corporate anecdotes as earnings come up, as we see in the data increasingly, especially deflationary producer prices, the chances of a second half rebound are dwindling and we're only a little over one month into it. So banks are saying, yeah, we might need to get more defensive still, still. And as they become even more defensive, what does that do to the rest of the global economy? It makes it that much more difficult to continue to navigate which, what is an already a substantially challenging environment. In fact, it makes it impossible, which is why we still have inverted curves and we have the yield curve shifting the way it is. And that, Interestingly, according to at least one source here, that view may be starting to creep into the stock market too, though that's, I mean, that's always, that's always a difficult proposition trying to figure out what's going on in stocks and why, because stocks are, like Keen said, just no, nothing more than a beauty contest. So if everybody believes there's going to be a soft landing and you believe the other guy believes a soft landing and the other guy's gonna, is gonna buy stocks because they believe a soft landing, then you should buy stocks too because there's gonna be a soft landing. At least that's how the rationalization works. And that's how it has worked 
over the last several months because ever since around May or so, it's been rate hikes may be done, soft landing in the economy, it's time to buy shares. It's FOMO again. But according to a recent report from Bank of America, who says its clients are fleeing equities as the risk of an economic contraction remains high, at least according to strategist Michael Hartnett, who we should note is a well-known bear on stocks. Private clients were net sellers of stocks for the second straight week in the five days through August 2nd, while bond purchases were the strongest since October in the past two weeks, according to a note. Private clients are shifting to risk-off mode, Hartnett wrote, adding that a hard landing was still a risk for the second half of 2023 amid higher bond yields and tighter financial conditions. Exactly what we're talking about. Exactly what Maersk was saying when they said appears to be prolonged. And again, they don't mean booming economy or a resilient economy. They're talking about the inventory cycle that is playing havoc with producers, especially across Asia, because of weak demand from consumers. And eventually this all leads into the deflationary recession, where incrementally, little by little, gradually, we continue to move in that direction rather than in the soft landing direction. If you want to see more about the second half rebound and how important it is and how it's developing according to other sources, check out the video below me. As always, thank you very much for joining me and a special thank you to Eurodollar University subscribers and our Eurodollar University members. Until next time, take care.